Hey, it's so good to welcome you to Fields Church Online, and we are so pleased that you've tuned in for this message. No matter what's going on in your world right now, we pray that you come away feeling encouraged by this message. Jennifer and Joshua with us. Uh, coming to your question, I want to say that uh, lots of people think that it is difficult, I always say, and they want to hear the stories uh, of persecution and... Uh, we do not often repeat these stories. We do not want to share because the more you share these stories, you are telling what the enemy is doing. And so you start feeling yourself very small when you sort of share these stories. So uh, I just want to say that it is adventurous to be, to be in a place like Pakistan. And uh, I love Indiana Jones movies. So, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So. Okay, um, well, have you got a couple of videos then you just to show us what, yeah. uh, what's going our, to happen? Our calling is for Pakistan, our lives are for Pakistan, both me and Selena, we were born and brought up in Pakistan, uh, in Lahore, Lahore is a big city. Uh, I was sharing with Pastor Richard this morning, and by the way, uh, the way you all welcomed us, it was really so amazing, and to receive that type of welcome and people sort of meeting and greeting as you enter somewhere for the first time, is quite unusual, especially in your part of country, uh, I want to say. Uh, and uh, so I feel that this amazing sort of spirit of love and openness over this place. And I just want to encourage you. You see, uh, you live in a very close society in a way. We live in Pakistan in a very close society also, but we have different problems. You are more reserved. You are more to yourself most of time. And so I want to say that we all are created. We are like salmons in ourselves. We, being Christians, being believers, followers of Jesus, we go upstream, basically. And I want to say that, just want to encourage you that keep doing it. Keep doing it. We are going against the flow. And uh, so we have a destiny uh, to fulfill. And I just want to bless you for that. And I just want, and I'm amazed uh, to know that you are praying for us. Thank you so much for that. And uh, so... Uh, both me and Selena, we were born and brought up in Lahore, as I uh, already said. Uh, I was part of Anglican Church as, uh, from 1990 to 2006, and after lots of prayer and after lots of disagreement with, the, with, with, with my bishop uh, over the ministry, the style of ministry, uh, we were uh, appointed in the heart of Lahore, which is a mega city, and so for us to leave Lahore and go to slum areas and villages and uh, far off places, tribal areas to do outreaches was quite unacceptable for Bishop. He could not understand that. And he said to me, he said, often sort of humiliated uh, and uh, said to me that uh, these areas are not given in your jurisdiction. So I do not know why you do it. And uh, it was very difficult to tell him that what if God gives you these areas in your jurisdiction? And uh, so uh, finally, after 10 years of prayer, we left uh, Anglican Church. In 2006, we resigned and came out of church. I always say that the church is outside the church. <laughs> so, uh, and from the life of Abraham, uh, God sort of spoke to us. Uh, I shared with Selena that our time has come to move. 
and she was more disturbed uh, because she knows me. I'm a, like a go, go, go person, and she's my rational side. She always sort of asked me to give it a second go, and uh, is it from God, really? And you really feel frustrated when, when these type of opinions come. And you cannot, <laughs> you, you cannot describe in words that, that this is really God, and I feel the satisfaction. Anyhow, uh, knowing me, being her uh, husband, she know that I will that I am unstoppable when uh, when when I when I realize that something is from God. So that night she was very disturbed. It was 10th of October on her birthday in 2006, and uh, so uh, she said to me, she said uh, that uh, we will lose our house, we lose our salary, we lose our. Uh, children's education, we'll lose our utility bills, we'll lose everything, and we will be practically on the road. And so uh, I just asked her to pray into that, and so that night God spoke to her in an audible voice, and God said to her, leave what you are holding in your hands, and I will give you what I am holding in my hands. And then he said, until you leave what you are holding in your hands, I cannot give you what I am holding in my hands for, for you. So she woke up and she said, uh, in the morning, she said that, now I'm ready to go wherever you take us. And I want to tell you, you see, that Anglican church was my whole life. And that was everything for me. But now, leaving that, what I was holding in my hands, uh, we, what we were holding in our hands, I, I, I just want to say that that was just a trash, what we were holding in our hands, compared to what God uh, is doing and the way he is using us amazingly. I, will, I just want to encourage you and challenge you also in a very loving way that do what God is telling you to do. And uh, so without faith, it is completely impossible to, to, to please God. Just walk the walk of faith and God is with you. And uh, so, uh, Christian, sorry, I'm, I hope I'm not taking too long. So we moved to Okara and started the church with four people in a rented house. And Muslims living around, they were very, very unhappy about, uh, about that. And they started attacking us. Uh, and uh, so we saw a plot of land. And uh, so we, God miraculously provided uh, that land uh, to us. To, uh, and uh, so I call church our part-time evangelism because it is part-time because these people are with you for two and a half hours maximum on Sundays, and then you do not know how to live, how they are, so what they are doing from Monday to Saturday. And so the other ministry that God has put on our hearts very strongly is uh, opening schools for Christian children, those who belong to slums. And so we are praying to God and asking him to, to give us just one generation, and the following generations will be changed by, by, by that one generation. I read somewhere that in order to bring revival in the whole world, you need one generation. And in order to wipe out Christianity from the face of, the face of this planet, you also need one generation. So we are praying for that one generation who knows the Lord and who, knows their, who have their own identity. Christians are 1% of the total population. And uh, so uh, out of that 1%, 75% are nominal Christians, and uh, uh, only 25% out of that 1% are truly born-again Christians. And so I just want to show you a short video clip, maybe one minute, if you don't mind. This is what Christians are doing, working as sweepers and cleaners. And this video, we have not made this video. This video was made by BBC. 
British Broadcasting Company. लोग इस काम से बहुत नफरत करते हैं कोई भी नहीं चाहता ये काम करना पीपल हेट दिस वर्क एंड नो बडी वांट्स टू डू दिस वर्क मौत को गले लगाकर ही कोई बंदा बीच में जाता है कि वो अपने आप या अपनी खुशी से तो नहीं जाता वी वी एम्ब्रेस डेथ एवरी डे एज वी गो डाउन इन द सूरज बहुत से जो है ब्लेड्स उसके बाद शीशा है उसके बाद वो लोहे की चीजें so, फेंक देते हैं तो नीचे उतरते कभी पाओ में लग गई पिछले साल की बात है लगा था एक चांद वो नीचे उतरा जब काम करने के लिए उसको गैस पड़ा बंदे को तो वहीं पर उसकी जाती है सो दिस इज वॉट क्रिस्चन्स आर डूइंग नाइन्टी सिक्स परसेंट सिंस दे आर अनएजुकेटेड सो ऑल द स्वीपिंग एंड क्लीनिंग जॉब्स गेटिंग डाउन in the main holes and sort of working with their bare hands is what their occupation is and you can imagine that in the newspapers when the government uh, sort of uh, uh, advertise about the job about the vacancies they especially mention that these jobs are only for non muslims which is christians and uh, so uh, so 6% children out of that 1% population christian population go to primary level education 4% go to 10th grade sort of level education and 1% go up to uh, college and 0.5% children out of that 1% go to university level education so our heart is for these children a uh, 3 and 1/2 year old child when he goes to any state school or any other private school first thing that this child has to learn is that who is god and the answer is allah is god and so this i always say that this is direct attack on the identity of god basically because god of the bible we know is the true god so no matter you are christian what is your sort of uh, sort of nation, what what is your your religion you have to learn that allah is god and the second question that 3 and 1/2 year old child has to learn is that who are you and no matter they are christians or what they are they have to learn that i am a muslim so just imagine sending your child 3 and 1/2 year old to school on the first day so he comes back converted to islam and so this is direct attack on our own identity and i i always say i have two slogans one is that we need to know the identity who our god is and then we need to have our own identity who i am here complain so having answers of these two questions brings me out of that inferior complex brings me out of that sort of discrimination and persecution sort of mode and i'm not no more like pity me sort of man i am more than conqueror and i am son of god and god loves me and i belong to royal priesthood this is my identity that god has given me So in 2008 we started the school without having the salaries even for the first month and can you imagine that since 2008 to this day we were in time never a single month when we could not pay the salaries to our staff members in time but i always say that there was never a time when we had two months sort of salaries in advance lying in our bank so it is month by month i always say that whatever we have done whatever god has done in our lives 
it all depends on 30 days and we are constantly leaning and depending and trusting in God. So how many, how many, school, what, how, how many schools you got? How many children now? So in our first school, which we started in Okara, we have 380 children. And can you imagine that all these children, they belong to sort of slum areas. Their, their parents work as sweepers and cleaners. And so we give them pick and drop. We bring them to school because there's nobody who can drop them at school uh, because their parents are at work cleaning the streets before the markets open in the morning. Uh, so uh, 380 children. So we started this school with uh, junior department, nursery prep, and one. Uh, in 2008 and upgraded it every year. So this school is up till grade 10 now. And uh, uh, so, uh, thank you so much. So the second school, so these are the classrooms. You can see the beautifully decorated classes. And the reason behind it that th these children are poor, but it is different to be poor, but to have a poverty spirit is a completely different, different thing. So we are telling them they are something. And so, we try to provide everything best for our schools uh, so that they, they know their identity, that they are something in God. And so uh, the second school, this school is secondary level. So for the last five years, uh, our children are appearing in 10th grade board exams. And for all these years, our result is 100%. All the children, they got A grades. And so our, our people from slum areas, they are coming and they are saying that, that these children are now changing the whole environment of the slum areas because these people who are going out to do the cleaning jobs with all the cleaning equipment in the morning, instead of that, these, these children are now studying in colleges and those who are studying in our school, they are wearing beautiful uniforms, they are, they are holding their books, their bags, and they are going to colleges and uh, sort of studying there. So changing the whole environment. And the second school is like a two and a half hour drive from Okara. So the second school we started, in, started building in 2018 and 6th of April, uh, uh, 2021 was the first day of opening that school. So this is this picture was 2018 where we were laying the foundation stone. This is what the building looks like now. And when we finally complete it, uh, so we have a 3D sort of uh, uh, picture also. So this is wow. what it will be in the final phase. So in this village school, all Christian children, 260 children up till grade six, and we are upgrading it every year. Next month, uh, in March, it will be grade seven. So we have 260 60 children. This in the evening will be occupied in the morning as we run the school. But in the evening, we want to start a Bible college here. And uh, so, yeah. And so just, just a last sentence. What we are trying to do is that in the evening, as we start the Bible college, we train and equip evangelists and pastors and send them out to establish house churches. I believe that the house churches are the future of church, and God is pulling down all the institutional churches, and the house churches will be the places where light and fire will be found. Yeah. Thank you.
this man is just full of, uh, you know, you could, you could, he, he could go on for, you know, for, for, but he's, um, uh, we're also just, um, we've been talking about miraculous, and I don't know, Pastor, if you've got a question, and then if you could pray for him before. Yeah, we believe in a God of miracles. That's a good place to say amen. I think it can do a little bit better than that. But in our Western culture, in our Western world, we don't tend to see many in our churches. But I'd just like to ask Pastor Wackers just maybe two examples of the miraculous that you've seen in your church. Frankly speaking, I very strongly believe that God has so much for us. And when we finish our race here and we enter in heaven, we will be so shocked to see that a whole treasure was lying there and we have not even tapped into it, we have not even touched that. So God is not sort of, God, God does not have favorites. And anybody, you see, the, the, the simple principle is ask and you will find. Come on. So, and compared to here, I want to tell you that we have such a big scope of ministry in Pakistan, 100% Muslims, no matter how cutter, how fundamentalist they are, you tell them that you are Christian and you want to pray for them, everybody, 100% people will be open and ready and they will ask you, yes, you can please pray for me. And so, and here you sort of ask people, can you, if you can pray for them, they'll say, no, thank you, I don't, I don't need it. So <laughs> our country is basically more hot for the Lord. And in the end of day, Changing somebody is not your job. It is Holy Spirit's job. You can evangelize for your whole life and nothing happen. But if why not ask Holy Spirit right then and there to manifest and sort of touch somebody? And so Muslims, we always have Muslims who want to have prayer for healing because they know that this church, this pastor, their team, they pray for them. And God does sort of mighty miracles. So this is what is bringing lots of Muslims. Just to share, and, uh, share a story with you. For 17 years, a young couple, Muslim couple, they did not have children. And so, uh, uh, and so she was under so much depression as, as, as she was suffering from that. And finally, she came to the church, and she was expecting already, and we prayed for her. And we said, God, without any doctors, without, I, I do not... I'm not saying that doctors are wrong or medicine is wrong, but I just prayed into it. We said, God, as a team, we said, God, you are able to do more than these doctors can yes. think or even imagine or ask, Lord. So, Lord, you come and you manifest yourself to this lady. And right away, she gave her life to Jesus and accepted Jesus as her personal savior. And so God, God healed her then, and after that, she had to see it physically happening. When, the, when, when, when her daughter was born, she's com she was completely all right, no problem at all. And now this lady is bringing more, sort of her cousins, whoever needs prayer, whoever oh. needs healing, she's bringing other Muslims to the church so that we can sort of pray for them and ask God to sort of heal and touch. So this is how the kingdom actually grows. Uh, as another sort of just a short story as, as people were leaving I was just sort of meeting them and saying goodbye and asking them how are you and this and that so one of the ladies she had growth and she had tumor and so she shared with me and uh, <clears throat> I just laid my hand on her and I said to her I said I, Lord Jesus I pray that you heal her just that and so she left I didn't feel anything at all 
Sometimes you feel anointing, sometimes you do not feel anything at all. But your responsibility, you see, so I was so amazed. Next Sunday she came and she said that the tumor had completely gone and God had healed her completely. And I was, I was really amazed and frustrated also. I said, God, I didn't feel anything at all. And he said, I am bigger than your feelings. Come yeah, on. yeah. So I, I, I just want to encourage you. Your responsibility is not to feel anything. Your yes. responsibility is to speak yes. what God is giving you. And, in G, and by the way, not in your name, but in Jesus' yes. name, miracles oh. happen. And so yes. the name above every name, we have that name with us. So God bless you. Sorry. We're going to come stay here. Can Selena, will you come up? We're just going to pray for you. Come on, John. Esther. Will you come up and Joshua. pray? Let's can, pray. Can we bring, John, to bring the children as well. Yes, please. Thank you. Oh, what a powerful testimony. We have, a, we have a, a God who's alive. We have a God who's alive. He's not dead. He's alive. He's sitting at the right hand of power. For us, seated with him. Father, we pray for this precious couple, precious people. Persecution for us, we've never seen persecution. But these pre- precious people have decided to follow Jesus not to the rich pickings of a great city, but to the slums where the lowest of the low, where they're regarded as nothing. Father, they're ministering to these people. Father, we thank you. And as uh, Pastor Wackus and, and his family come against persecution, Father God, that they cannot defeat God. Thank you, you that you're building your church in Pakistan and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We pray for protection for him and his family, for every place they do go. Thank you for lives that are being changed and turned around. Thank you for miracles and healings of people's lives and hearts, Lord. And I thank you, Father God, for this precious couple that you meet every single need according to your riches in glory by Christ Jesus and keep them safe and free from harm. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Bless you. Well, we're not, we're not finished yet. I'd like to ask Beth if she'd like to come up. Thank you for bearing with us this morning. I really think it's important that we see and hear from other cultures about what God is doing. He's the same God in Pakistan, and he's the same God here. They don't have a different God there, and we have a different God. They don't have a God of miracles there, and we don't have a God of miracles. Amen. Can we say amen to that? Just got to start believing. and Yeah, let's trust him. Thank you, Father. Oh, okay, teenagers are going to come out. Thank you. Healing vessel. Let's just pray. Let's just pray for, for Beth. Father God, we thank you for your willing vessel for Beth to step up to the plate and just share uh, a message from your heart, Lord, from your word. Thank you that she does not have a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. I thank you, Holy Spirit, you speak in and through her to open hearts and open minds now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. I don't know if I can really top that, to be honest. I think um, <laughs> that's really amazing, isn't it? Um, to hear all those stories, and thank you so much for sharing. It's, um, yeah, re- really appreciated. Um, hello, everyone. For, uh, so for those who don't know me, my name is Beth. Um, I've been coming to Field since 2019. Um, I'm on the core leaders team. I am a uh, school chaplain with CYM and a youth worker by trade. So I've just had my first week back after half term. So if I have a dazed expression on my face, uh, please forgive me. First week back, always a challenge. Um, I was considering how to introduce this talk uh, today, and 
I was reminded um, of my grandparents, who I love dearly, um, but who are at that age where I have heard a lot of their stories and they don't necessarily remember that they have told me them already. Um, and I often end up in this situation where they are talking and I know I have heard this story um, many a time. I know the ending, but it's my grandparents and I love them. So somehow I must make my face look like it did the first time I ever heard that tale. And I must show that I'm extremely interested, even if I don't necessarily feel like that. Um, why am I saying this? I feel like this can be a case with the parable we are looking at today. Um, for those who want to look it up in their Bibles, it's Matthew 25, the parable of the talents. Um, I'm sure many of us have heard this before many times, and wouldn't it be easy to just switch off and think, I know this, I've got this sussed, don't need to hear it. Um, but this is Jesus' teaching, and there is always going to be something gained from listening to him speak. So sit back, relax, um, and I'm going to read us this parable. And I just ask you to try and picture this story. Play it out in your mind. Watch the characters. See their faces. See their perspective. Um, I don't think I can beat a good CBB's bedtime story, but I'm willing to give it a go. Um, so Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the talents, verse 14. For it is like a man going on a journey who summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The one who had received five talents went off right away and put his money to work and gained five more. In the same way, the one who had two gained two more. But the one who had received one talent went out and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money in it. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled his accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came and brought five more, saying, Sir, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master answered, Well done, good and faithful slave. You have been faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. The one with the two talents also came and said, Sir, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more. His master answered, Well done, good and faithful slave. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent came and said, Sir, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered, Evil and lazy slave, you knew that I harvest where I didn't sow and gather where I didn't scatter. Then you should have deposited my money with the bankers and on my return I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten. For the one who has will be given more and he will have more than enough. But the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless slave into the...
um, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But firstly, um, let's have some context for this story. So this parable Jesus tells is set at the end of Matthew. Jesus is very close to the end of his journey on his way to his death and his resurrection. And his disciples are asking him questions about the future and his return. So in chapter four, they ask, when is this all going to happen? What will be the sign of your coming? And so Jesus starts sharing that no one will know when he will return except God. And then he starts to share this trio of stories, all focused on this period of waiting. And so we have this parable, this looking at the question of, well, what is it that we do whilst we wait? And we have these four characters in our story, the master and these three servants, And the wonderful thing about this parable is that it transcends time. It does not matter if you are a disciple who is about to see Jesus leave this earth or a follower 2,000 years later, we can all relate to being in this period of waiting. And hopefully, um, you can put those pieces together of who these characters would represent. The master is like Jesus, going away, yet to return. And then the servants are his followers, you and me here on earth, um, all those that have gone before all those yet to come. And so the master leaves and the servants are given these talents. And now for anyone who isn't sure what a talent was in the context of this story, it is not like, you shall be good at juggling and uh, you shall be an opera singer. Enormous. It was in those days an amount of money. And talent was worth a serious, enormous amount of money. Um, Just one talent was worth 20 years of a day labourer's wages. So firstly, easy to point out, the master, he really must have trusted (laughs) those servants. Um, I was entrusted last weekend with the in-law's dog, Molly, and that was responsibility enough. Um, But these servants were given this money. And as we read through the parable, it becomes clear these talents have been given out, not just as a parting gift, but as an investment to be used. Not just for the servants to go and do whatever they please, but to still be loyal to the master, knowing that he is coming back. And I just love this parable because, once again, it forces us to have a kingdom focus. And many of you will have heard me talk about God's kingdom before because it's a topic that super excites me um, because we are still waiting to see his kingdom in its complete fullness. But that our Father is on a mission um, to see this world and all of humanity restored and renewed and made perfect. Um, And when we say yes to Jesus, we get to be a part of that kingdom story. Agents for the task, uh, people on a mission. And I love that about God, that he wants us to be involved. Um, It actually takes us back to our roots in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. It says, the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. It has always been part of our design to work for God. And we see that in this parable today, um, the servants being entrusted with talents, resources to be part of the master's work. And so the first question I want to pose to us today is, what has God given you? We all have been given talents to use and we often just focus on a couple. But I really think that these talents are a representation of all the resources we have been given. Our time, money, abilities, skills the authority we have over others, the people in our lives, our jobs, our connections. 
Um, and this question, it sounds so simple, and yet we can so easily be pessimistic, can't we? We so often focus on the things we don't have, the things that could be better. And so often we compare, don't we? And we say, if only I had what they had, um, then God, I could serve you more. I wonder if the third servant did that in this story. Why did I just get one talent? That doesn't seem fair. Um, but Jesus, being so wise, because he knows us so well, um, answers that question already. He says in verse 15, to the one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his ability. God knows each person individually, knows what they need, knows them intimately, knows what's right for us. Um, God knows us and the individual tasks he has for us and what we will need for it. Um, and that should be encouraging, shouldn't it? That we aren't all expected to do the same, but that we are treated as individuals. Um, but also our God is so generous. A quote that I um, use a lot at work with the children is, comparison is the thief of joy. And it does, doesn't it? Comparison makes the things we are blessed with seem so small and less important. And it's the same with this story. We are so often that we forget, sorry for the third servant getting only one talent compared to his fellow workers, that we forget just how much that one talent was worth in the first place. He was trusted by the master and so are we. And whether we feel like the first or the third servant, God has blessed us hugely. So I'm going to ask you again, what has God given you? It's a big question. And I think this question is also important because we see how the start of this parable says, for it is like a man who summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. It's a reminder that all things are God's, not ours. And in a world of self-success and comparison, it is easy to not attribute our resources to our own efforts. Um, but as it says in James chapter 1, verse 17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. And I think this is important for us to recognize because how we choose to view who truly owns those things, us or God, impacts how we choose to use or invest them. Um, and as we will see, these choices matter. So let's continue with our story. It says, the first two servants went and put their money to work. Straight away, they went and they acted. However, we see the third servant, for some reason, hides his money in the ground and walks away. Um, and it reminds me of maybe when you've gotten a child, an exciting present, maybe a musical instrument or an art set, and it just gets tossed in the corner. Um, I'm sure there are many parents who've had that frustration here. I've spent ages picking that present. Um, or maybe they don't use it for how it was intended, you know, that more interested in the cardboard box uh, scenario as well. And so the second question I want to ask today is, how are you using the things God has given you? What has God given you? How are you using it? Has it been tossed in the corner or is it out all the time? Is it being used for its intended purpose or are we using it for something else? In Matthew 5 verse 14, it says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. 
you can see a large parallel, can't you, between this verse and the parable today. Because when we accept Jesus into our lives, he fills us with his spirit, his light. And this light is meant to be seen. It's supposed to guide other people to him too. It's supposed to benefit all of those around us. And we're in it for the long haul, aren't we? It doesn't say how long these servants were working, but it does say the master only returned after a long time. And that's plenty of time, isn't it, for the excitement to wear off, um, to stop and feel like, I think I've done enough now. Um, for the servants to come, we can relate to that feeling in our faith journey. Um, but we know, don't we, that there will always be fresh people, fresh places, fresh situations where God wants us to work. And I know serving at church can become the main thought when we share about this theme. And of course, that is good and it is important to God. And I want to stress that every Christian has a place in the mission of the church. But can we also challenge ourselves to widen our horizons? Um, Janet and Neil Young from Vineyard Causeway Coast Church used the phrase um, with their church, everyone, everywhere, every day, which I love because it has no limits. There is plenty of opportunity in all of our lives, whatever our circumstances, to put the resources we have been given to good use. Where are you using yours? And now is the bit where it could feel uncomfortable. Um, I'm not someone who deals with awkwardness very well. Even sometimes on the TV, if something cringy happens, I'm like, no, and I grab the remote and I mute it and Josh gets angry. Um, and maybe you've had a parent or a friend or child try to have a conversation with you and you know it's going to be awkward. And all you want to do is squirm and inside you're like, get away. Um, so just a moment to mentally prepare ourselves. Everyone take a deep breath in. Are we okay? Right? Okay. Our choices on how or whether we choose to contribute to God's kingdom has consequences. We cannot ignore it. It's in this story. Our choices about this have consequence. And we can see that in the response the master has to his servants. To the servants who were productive and fruitful, he commends them, invites them to share into his joy, gives them more. Um, and I just love the details in this story when the master says to them, you have been faithful with a few things, I will put you in charge of many things. He considers the talents, that huge amount of wealth, a small thing. What could he possibly therefore mean by many things? Um, and yet to the third servant, he takes the talent he did have, gives it to someone else instead, and says, you're outside. The servant's choice had a consequence. And it feels uncomfortable. We don't like it, do we? And of course, I want to make it clear. We know that we are only saved through Jesus. We are justified by faith, um, not by ourselves reaching a certain standard. Um, that is the good news of the Christian message. And in Romans 3, verse 28, it says, For we conclude that a person is put right with God only through faith and not by doing what the law commands. But there are two sides to that coin. Because elsewhere, can't you see? His faith and his actions work together. His faith was made perfect through his actions. Now in this verse, James is using Abraham as an example, talking about his faith in God, but also his obedience and action through his faith. 
So we can see, can't we, that faith and action are interlinked. That having faith changes us and that this change leads to a shift in priorities and eventually fruit for God. And notice how each servant was judged individually. That the master said the same thing to both the first and the second servant. That the servant with five, who then gains five, and the servant with only two, who gains two, aren't compared, but are treated equally. Both are given the same praise. There is no comparison. And what the master notes is the, not the amount that has been gained, but the faithfulness he sees in his servants. And that is what Jesus is looking for. Faithfulness in the building of his kingdom. Faithfulness towards him. Now, you could be forgiven for feeling bad for the third servant, couldn't you? I think sometimes I've read this and thought, oh no, that's so mean. It's probably a decent person, really. Um, And this is where we must be careful. Um, Because this isn't a simple case of someone getting nervous or someone under too much pressure. This was a long-term decision. This was a so much time frame. And this was only seven. The master says to the servant, then you should have deposited my money with the bankers. And on my return, I would have received my money back with interest. That would have been a choice that could have required little risk that was easy, and yet still the servant decided to put the money in the ground instead. This was about priorities, and the master and his work did not sit highly enough on his list. And I think in this part of the story, we can see a glimmer, a flick back to the story of the fool in Genesis. Um, The servant says, So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. But if we go back, when Eve and Adam ate the forbidden fruit and God was looking for them, Adam said this in Genesis 3, verse 10. He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. In both scenarios, Adam and his servant, there is this sense of knowing that what they have done is not right. That they have gone against what God asked and their true purpose. So let's not be like these two examples that we see. And the word that came to my mind when I was thinking about this third servant is neutral. We live in a world that for ease and self-interest often is just neutral. Um, Politicians who try to dodge taking a side or answering a question. Um, Atrocities that are ignored because no one wants to get involved relationships that are signed as complicated on Facebook because no one wants to make a decision, contracts that are murky and hard to work out what they really mean. Um, It's a world of being not one side or the other. And this is what the third servant did. He was apathetic. He didn't go out of his way to hurt the master, but he also didn't do anything positive either. And our God, he's not neutral That is not God's kingdom. And we see that in this story. It's in or it's out. The servants have things taken away or given in abundance. Um, They enter joy or outer darkness. And that feels difficult because I think we're just not used to living in that kind of world. But it also feels, I think, wonderfully refreshing. Um, South African Bishop Desmond Tutu said, 
If you are neutral in situations of injustice, you have chosen the side of the oppressor. Um, let's choose the side God is on. Let's choose to be active and not neutral in our faith. And it's also odd, just the third serpent's view of the master. Um, I was listening to a talk by Tim Mackey. Many of you know I love him, and I can't take all the credit for this idea. But we've established the master in this story is Jesus. And this is what the third servant says about him. Sir, I knew that you were a hard man. That doesn't sound like Jesus, does it? This was a servant of the master, but they seem to impact this really skewed view of who Jesus was. And that view impacted the servant's choices. And that just proves, doesn't it, how important it is to have a strong, deep relationship with Jesus so that we have a clear view of him and his character. Because otherwise, we are in danger of having a false idea and being led astray because of it. Um, in Matthew 20, verse 28, it says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is a God who sent his only son to die in our place, who took on death, who is all-powerful and all-loving. He is a worthy master to follow. And you see, as Christians, we should care about the master's agenda, just like the servants. Um, the parable doesn't tell us those first servants even knew there was a reward. They just did it because they knew the master and they chose to be for him. Are we going to choose to be for God? Not neutral, not apathetic, to be thankful for what we have received and to put it to good use for his kingdom. What has God given you? How are you using it? Let's be active. I'm just going to ask um, some of the band to come up. And I would just really invite, can we just stand together? as we act on that service. Can we just stand together? How are you using it? Let's be active. Maybe you're standing here right now and you don't know what God has given you and you're finding it hard to see. Or maybe you just know that God isn't the top of your priority list at the moment, and that needs to change. And so first of all, I just really want to pray um, for that group of people specifically. I had this word yesterday when I was reading um, my Bible verse for the day, and it talked about fixing our eyes. And I feel that there are some people here where you feel like you've lost your gaze. And you, your focus just needs to change and you want it back, but you're not sure how to get it there. Um, and so with our eyes closed, if that's you, would you just be honest and put up your hand and I'd just love to pray with you. Mm, okay. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Um, let's just pray together as a group. Father, I thank you that you have blessed us hugely that you have given each one of us individual tasks, that you know us, that you love us, 
and that you have got things for us to do that will build your kingdom. You've got positive things for us to do. And Father, I just pray now that you would fill us with your spirit, that you might be at the top of our list, that we would have our eyes opened to the things that we could use. And you would open our eyes to see where it is you want us to work. Would you call your servants back, Father? Call your servants back to work solidly, purely, wholeheartedly for you. And maybe you are that person who has not said yes to Jesus yet. That maybe you would consider yourself neutral. And today, I just want to invite you to make that choice. To put yourself out there and say, okay, God, I choose you. We've all done wrong. We've all sinned, but he loves you. He died for you. And his way is the only way. Come and be a part. You are invited to come and be a part of his kingdom mission. So if that is you, while everyone has their um, eyes closed, would you just raise your hands so that I can pray with you? We would just love to pray with you. Shall we just say this prayer together? Dear Jesus, thank you, you love me. Thank you. I believe you died for my sins and rose again. I ask for forgiveness. I ask you to come into my life. And from this point forward, I choose to follow you. If you prayed that prayer or if you feel something has struck you today with what I've been speaking about and you would like prayer, um, I'm going to offer a couple of options. Please either come to the front. We've got a wonderful prayer scene that would love to pray with you. Or if that's just something you feel really nervous about, just stay in your seat and I'm sure the prayer team will walk around and will ask you if you need prayer. Um, but please don't leave this place if you've got that feeling that something needs to be sorted with God. Um, I'd love everyone to leave this place encouraged, filled with the spirit and ready to serve. Um, ready to serve our wonderful master who is worthy. Father, I just thank you for this service. I thank you for the time we've spent for, together. Um, I thank you for the stories we have heard today, um, for how we have been encouraged. Um, and I pray, Lord, that you would just be so um, present in our lives as we go away this week. Would we hear you speak? Would we see you move? Would you just give us opportunities to serve you? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, everybody. It, um, as, yeah, as I said, if you do have any prayers, please come to the front or stay in your seat and our prayer team will walk around. Um, but yeah, let's spend some time together chatting. Um, I can see some new faces. I'm sure we'd love to get to know you better. Um, but yeah, do stay um, for some coffee or tea or whatever it is that you prefer. <laughs> Thank you.